Today's episode of the Mission Daily is brought to you by Twilio. This October, Twilio is hosting Signal, the customer developer conference of the year. To grab your tickets, go to signal.twilio.com and be sure to use the code MISSION20 at checkout to receive 20% off your tickets. On today's episode of the Mission Daily, we're airing part two of our interview with Stephanie Postles. Enjoy. I want to pivot a little bit into the backstory of the mission. So everybody knows Chad, the mission associated with him. You being the other half, you have a whole other side of how the mission even started. And I asked Chad when he started this thing and he went to you, I said, did Stephanie look at you like you were crazy for doing this? And he said, no, she was totally on board with it. And as I was laughing, I was like, you know. I was thinking like, oh man, Stephanie's probably got a completely different story. Like, so when he came to you with this, and well, first off, let me, let me, let me take a step back. Who, so whose idea it was, I'm assuming it was his idea that he wanted to turn it into like a company, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to remember. That's why I'm like, I feel like facts get hazy when it's Mm -hmm. that far. Cause we had been working on so many things together before that. Like what, what were you guys doing? So, he, had, he had an entertainment app that he told me he got a cease and desist letter. And he, yeah. I mean, when he says he, it's we. Like, oh, we built all this stuff together. Oh, cool. Yeah. he. I call him out on that all the time. He's like, oh, yeah, when I built this, I'm like, oh, you? You built that? Oh, I, so there yeah. we go. The plot yeah. thickens, Max. I know. So, yeah, we, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we had that entertainment app. Mm-hmm. And it was an app where you would take a picture and then you would pick what kind of environment you were in. So maybe I'd say bar or school. And then it would slap a caption on the photo, like a pre-made caption. And Chad and I stayed up until 4 a.m. creating captions, like funny captions. It was pretty great. And then, so that was our first app, got a cease and desist order. And at the time, we just didn't know what that meant. So we just took it out of the app store. We were like, ah, and just like took it out. Did you feel awesome? Were you like... No, felt very sad because we had spent a lot of time designing, you know, the user interface and all the screens, like creating all these captions and getting the database set up, like it was a lot of work. So I was almost in tears when we had only had it out, I think for a couple of days and had to take it out of the store. So that was really sad, but it was for the best because it's a very like immature app. So then afterwards we did an education app called college majors that showed what degree or what job you could get with a certain degree and what the 10 year growth rates were, what the salary was, all the info so people could make smart decisions about what degrees they were choosing in college. That one did really good. So I did most of the data backend work of like assembling a whole entire table of like everything that would be shown up in the app. And then Chad was more of the user interface front end developer. Launched that and that, that actually did really well. It was featured by Apple. But then we just were kind of like, do we want to keep doing this? It takes a lot of work to keep updating the data and like things kept breaking. And it was just him and I and like one contractor. And we were like, we don't really know how to monetize this thing. So we just took it out. And then we did some iPad magazines for education. And I did all the design for the magazines. Every month I would create every single magazine. And Chad would help write the content and get, you know, interviews and stuff with people. I think we did that for 11 months. It was a a while. It was like a subscription product. So we had to do it. Like we sold the subscription for a year and we're like, crap, now we actually have to like make a year's worth of content. So we did. We fulfilled that. And then we were like, whew, that's a lot of work. Let's take that down. And then Chad started, he wanted to write some books. So I just supported him with that. I did all the editing for his books and helped him craft the covers of the books and help get them out on Amazon. 
And then I think that's when it started getting into the mission because Chad, he's really big into writing and just has a lot of big ideas. And I'm more of, as Ian and Chad say, like, make it happen, get it done type of person. Like, I'll help you get something done, but I don't really like always writing and that kind of stuff. So he wanted to start that. And I was all on board with in the beginning. I'm, I'm sure it was his idea. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I might have helped influence the name. It was life learning in the beginning. And then I don't remember why. It's a team effort. Yeah, team effort, <laughs> like most of our projects. I was looking the other day because someone's like, how did you guys start? And I was like, let me look. The first article in the mission was mine. It was on meditation because I was trying to get people to write for us. In the beginning, no one would, we were nobodies. The publication was. No one wanted to write for us. So I was like, fine, I'm going to write my own article. Man, was that hard. I'm not a writer. So it took me a long time to write one little puny article. Do and, you meditate now? Um, or try to at least? I try to. Yeah, I try to, but it's definitely hard to carve out time especially now with everything going on having a baby like it's really hard to be like I just need a good 15 minutes to myself I don't really have that luxury yet but I I think you can meditate throughout the day I think you can be doing dishes or working out and you can get in the in a headspace that allows you to think about what you're doing and just kind of or not thinking at all it depends how you view meditation but so I think you can do it in your daily like walks and stuff and not just have to sit in a room and be quiet so Mm -hmm. but yeah so it sounds like you guys were guys are serial entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a lot of little tests throughout the way and trying to just figure things out. And I was always the more secure one holding a full-time job while Chad, I mean, he was in the military, but then after that, he was the one like kind of full-time on all of our projects. So it worked out well. He took a lot of the risks and I was the one getting the income coming in and investing in the projects. But yeah, the mission was the, the first big one where it just started taking off. But there was a couple months there where it was just him and I trying to convince people to come be in our network and write for us and so we could help promote them and stuff. And for a little bit there, I was like, man, this is really hard. Like, I don't know if I want to keep going because it's like so much effort. And then it just, Chad kept going during those like couple months when it was really hard. So it's great having that, like if one person's kind of like, I need to take like, you know, a little breather, someone else to step up and kind of be like, all right, I got it for like, you know, you just worry about work. I got it. And then it started taking off. People wanted to write for us. And then yeah, we grew to the largest publication on Medium and then spun it out into podcasts and do what we're doing now. And yeah, I've been very involved, obviously, co-founding, COO, and everything since then. But Bank of Stephanie. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, funding. Really funny because you were you had mentioned earlier in the interview that you were wanted to be an iBanker and then you're <laughs> like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. And now you're like the banker. I know. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, so I, I think it's good you, to have skin in the game. And yeah, like invest you have good talents. Yep. Yeah, especially when, I mean, I'm not a stupid investor. If I think something wasn't going to work, I didn't put money into it. There was a couple of things that we had ideas around, and I really didn't put much money into it. But the mission was one where I'm like, yep, this is the thing. This is the thing I want to do, and it's going to change a lot of lives, and I don't mind investing. Talk to me about the state of media because, uh, you know, Chad had some interesting takes yesterday, and I want to hear your side of it. We have a presidency in here where, you know, that during his campaign, he had gone in and kind of vilified the media. And then now the media is almost attacking each other. And it's already like, it's coming, it's becoming carnivorous in a lot of ways, right? Like there's CNN's attacking New York times, right? And then people are attacking it and like basically degrading anything that what we call used to call journalism now as, as nothing. I feel like starting a media company 
in the middle of this kind of chaotic state of media is yeah. almost insane, right? Yeah. But I love, I, and I love that because it was like, cool, that sounds awesome. Let's do it, right? Obviously, that's yeah. why I'm here. But at the time when you two are sitting there thinking about, let's launch a media company, like let's let's change this narrative. Talk to me about what do you think's happening right now, and what do you think needs to change with the way that people are consuming content, and is anything that's happening right now even useful to us from a news standpoint, from a self-improvement standpoint. When we were first talking about starting, turning this into like a full-blown media company, I think our underlying goal was to get stories out there that just haven't been heard. So even with like the story podcast, like that was our main goal. It's like, man, there are so many people in history, so many biographies that Chad and I have read that just the stories have not been told or just like of people who maybe did something their whole life and never got credit for it. And it's impacting us today. Things like that. Just in terms of the media though, there's, you're right. There's a lot of stories that haven't really been told. And that's, for me, one of the things that I I find interesting is, is that there's an agenda with stories being told on the syndicated news networks. And I think we're trying to do a little bit more of the the interesting stories that are going to impact people's lives on a smaller scale, right? Yeah, like yeah. obviously it'd be great to have millions of followers, right? But that's not really the game. Yeah, right? I think we more are focusing on evergreen content that you can listen to in a decade, hundreds of years, and it's still relevant and impactful and inspires people to do their best or see the pitfalls that have come before them so they don't do the same exact things and have to go through the same struggles. I mean, you can read a biography and learn what not to do with you know starting certain companies or building company culture you can learn so much and get so much knowledge from someone's whole lifetime just by reading one little book and then apply it to your own life so i think that's something that has definitely spurred the mission and what we want to like spread to all of our followers and readers and listeners Um, that was one of the big main goals and then just promoting the stuff that actually matters there's a lot of research that's going on a lot of cool projects a lot of great startups there's so much cool stuff happening right now and I think the media misses it. I think they don't highlight that really cool, like really cool stuff. Or when they do, it's biased, like you said. Or they just focus on one side. Or they're attacking the leaders. They're attacking the Elon Musks. They're attacking Steve Jobs. Like, oh, what kind of person was he like to work for? You know, like all the kind of stuff. They just want to drama, like vilify people or add drama to it to make it like a reality TV show. And I think it's hard to relate to some of those people because you've seen the media's version of who that is when that might not be any bit accurate like not an accurate reflection at all of that person so i think just trying to bring up those stories and really highlight the lives that are important or that you might want to follow or look into is kind of where we we're going with this was it scary kind of looking at you know that this entire state of media and being like out of all the things that we could start right (laughs) now you know my husband and i are going to go into like the lion's den and start a media company yeah it's it's scary. I mean, even in the very early days, we're like, man, don't get on the radar of anyone. Like, we don't want to get attacked because you just see all these media companies attacking each other and like, you're left leaning, you're right leaning. Oh my gosh. Like, you said this about Trump. You said this about Obama. There's just so much like of that that we were just like, oh, we better stay off the radar and just like, we'll do what we like to do. But yeah, it is kind of scary getting into a landscape like that. But hey, gotta do what you gotta do. What keeps you up at night? Now it's different. Now it's like, Grayson. besides Grayson yeah it's well <laughs> literally keeping me up but also just like thinking about him of like what can we do to give him the best life possible and what kind of stuff can we do at the mission to ensure that you know 
humanity's moving forward and that we're making the world a better place and making our lives and people around us, like their lives better. So that's the kind of stuff that I think about now, especially with him when you just have like a little, you know, delicate babe that is so reliant on you and everything you do with him throughout the day or everything you, I mean, you bring him to the jungle gym and you just see his like, he's a five months, but you see his eyes lighting up from that little experience and just being like, what more can I do for him to make his life better? So that's what I think about a lot now. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about being a woman co-founder. So there is an uprise or an uptick, I should say, of women co-founders starting their own businesses, seeing how accessible everything is because of the internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, For somebody who has kind of done behind the scenes work and been a co-founder with you know, with your husband and, you know, also doing some endeavors on your own. We were talking before that there's an opportunity, I think, for not only for women to have everything, right? To be a mom, to have a high grossing, high paying position, a position of power and responsibility, you know, pivoting off kind of that line and going into the startup role. You know, you were mentioning to me about some things about being a woman founder, right? Like one thing I thought was really interesting that I would love for you you to tell the story on is that you kept your maiden name. Yep. You know, and, but there's a reason behind that. right? So tell me more about that. Yeah. So when Chad and I got married and even before this, we were talking about this. I mean, we were working on so many projects together and I was also working on, you know, some things on my own and just doing my own career stuff. And I knew I'm like, Chad is going to be successful with anything he does, whether I'm working on it with him or not. And I just thought I never want to be doing either my own business or, you know, have a career at Google or something. And someone say, well, of course you're successful. You're so-and-so's wife. Like, are you a grills? No wonder. Like, Chad's like a CEO of like, you know, a rocket ship company, like something like that. So when I just thought about that, and I have seen that happen to a lot of women where they're like, oh, of course, like, you know, your husband's so-and-so. So no wonder this person's like able to like be philanthropic and like gets to do these fundraisers and they kind of get lumped into their husband's success sometimes. And I just didn't want that. I wanted to kind of blaze my own path and stay my own person and know that like any successes I had was because of me, not because of like, you know, supposedly riding the coattails of like whatever he was doing. And I also just, I mean, the early days I like keeping it separate because Chad and I were doing a lot of cold outreach to people to try and get them to write for us, to come on the podcast, to, you know, do these interviews with us. And I mean, for better or for worse, I don't think it would look good if I was emailing someone and saying, hey, like, will you come on our podcast? It's with my husband and CEO, you know, and co-founder of the mission. I just think more people would have rejected me if they would have been like, oh, that's cute. Like his wife's like outreaching for him when he was doing the same thing. He was, you know, sending the same emails. But I just think it could have just caused some issues and I just wanted to make sure I kept my own identity and success, you know, because of me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. So do you think there's a stereotype with that? Do you think there's a stereotype with... Keeping my own name? Yeah, I mean, yeah. People do judge, yeah. I, I think some people feel very strongly about that being disrespectful to your husband by not taking their name. I think to each their own. I think it depends what you're doing. I mean, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and she took her husband's name and we were just talking about this exact concept. But she was like, but we work in such different fields. Our paths would never cross. No one, if they know me, they would never think of my husband associated with me. So it's very different than like if I was, if I was a doctor and Chad was like a startup tech founder, 
I would have taken his name because there would have been no crossing of paths. Like they'd be like, oh, Stephanie's like, you know, doing this like surgery. And they'd never be like, obviously it's because Chad is like a startup founder. No ties there. Whereas because everything we've worked on is so close together, I just, I like keeping it separate. But yeah, there's been a lot of opinions that I've heard about why would you do that? That's disrespectful. But I mean, Chad and I talked about this before we got married and he was on board with it. And I was like, would you ever take my name? Like, hey, it's 2018. Let's hear about it. Would you take my name? And he was like, no. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm not going to take yours then. And he was like, he was 100% supportive of it. That's interesting because... Um, and he told me not to. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I don't want you to. Like, if, yeah, I think that's actually good for you to keep your own name. And if you want to one day, because that's also what we talked about, like maybe farther down the line, maybe I would. It does get a little bit tricky with Grayson having, you know, Grayson Grills, his, Chad's last name. Which, um, by the way, that name is so badass. I know. It sounds it's like, so it, cute. It is. It's like Grayson Grills. Like, it can... I love it. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's just nuts. You know, going back to the whole women just kind of carving out their identity, right? Like that's a that's such a small little thing that you did, but it may have caused a little bit of a, a I wouldn't say, I don't want to say controversy, but a little bit of like a whoa, yeah. Like I can't believe she did that. But more importantly, what I I mean, your reasonings are completely sound, right? And it's something that it's kind of made me think, like instantaneously right now, thinking a little bit differently about. Maybe I, I got to ask her more questions about this because I think one thing that's really fascinating to me is is that you're so comfortable in that, mm -hmm. and you're also kind of embracing potential old school way of thinking or maybe backlash from not taking Chad's name. Yeah. Do Do you still get? Do you feel like you get backlash from that? Do you feel like that? I sometimes do from yeah from some people, especially from most of the backlash comes from women. Actually. Really? Yeah. Yep. Because, like, what are, what are they telling you? Oh, they just think it's, you know, disrespectful. I didn't take Chad's last name and how that's like to keep the family name. And like, that's what you do to show that like you're one. I don't know. I've just heard a bunch of stuff. And it's usually most of the time from women. Are these women startup founders? Or no, they, no, no, no. Yeah, they're just, just people. So they're I not meet. doing what you're doing. No, not doing what I'm doing. And they're not, it's not like they're friends or anything like gotcha. that. It's just like acquaintances that are kind of like conversations. Yeah. In passing. It's kind of like you where you're like, I didn't even know you guys were married. It's yeah. like, it starts like that. And then it dives into like that's the first question that actually. only came out because of a baby was floating yeah, around yeah, on the I team know. calls <laughs> and it wasn't because the last names but yeah that's that's usually how it starts and then i uh, i just don't care anymore <laughs> right yeah, it but it's important me. but identity is important to you yeah and what do you think about in terms of the state of a you know a state of women founders do you feel like carving out that identity separate from their marriage or separate from their personal life is important in, yeah. in raising in starting a successful company or starting a company in general yeah, I mean, I think it is. I just think a lot of times, even myself, women can kind of take the background jobs. Even me, I I mean, everyone's always like, we want to hear more stuff on the Mission Daily. Like, I really don't. I'm not uh, that forthcoming and wanting to talk all the time. And I don't like getting on video all the time and just doing things like that. Even when Chad's like, can you hop on Facebook Live with me? I'm like, oh my gosh, like, oh, do I have to? I'll try. So I think I have to convince myself to get out there sometimes and be in front of people. And I encourage more women to do that because there are a lot of times when there are women co-founders and the number is increasing, but I think they're not the ones getting out in the public and making it known like, this is my company. I'm not, you know, a support. I'm not someone who's just helping out the founder. Like I founded this company or I'm a co-founder and just making it more known, which I think, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I think it just feels a little bit uncomfortable to do that sometimes. So you just have to constantly encourage yourself to get out there. I think on the mission daily, we're going to have to do a 
women's startup week <laughs> yeah you're really great. highlight all the cool women there's so many women doing cool things that's why is there anybody you're like you kind of like have a fangirl out or geeking out on right now that's doing yeah. some really awesome stuff i mean always but let's see so i really like the ceo of stitch fix what's her name i want it so there's two of them there's, there's two of them okay yeah i think there's i think her name's katrina and there's someone else it's pretty sad i don't know her name but yeah the, so the founders of stitch fix I think she was the youngest woman to IPO a company. Really? That was really cool. Yeah. And just, How old was she when she did it? I mean... I don't know. I, I know yeah. who Stitch Fix is, but I, the backstory. Yeah. I, I, I need to she research. Was under 30. I think she was under 30. I think. Wow. Don't quote me on it, but... Sure. And, you know, she. So her story was just amazing, super fun. I mean, getting all these people from crazy companies to come and work with her was just a really cool story convincing like hey come on over from netflix like i think it was like the chief data scientist over there she convinced him to come on to the team by just like oh just help me out a little bit and then now he's like full-time like creating all the algorithms at stitch fix like how things are getting fit to them so that's really cool and then any women in tech so i love laura shin so she has a podcast called unchained it's all about crypto and i love that she started that it's really cool she interviews all the crypto leaders and yeah, it just really breaks it down in like an easily accessible way. So I, I really like her. I think she's great. And she gets a lot of backlash sometimes for asking hard questions. I actually just saw this happening on Twitter. These guys were giving her a really hard time because she was asking hard questions. And I'm like, would you ever be saying this to a man if they were like posing hard questions to a guest? Would you ever be like, dude, that was mean. Like, don't do that. Mm -hmm. These guys were like hating on her for that. So I like that she's yeah, just getting out there and not caring when people are being pretty mean sometimes. I like her a lot. What about just in general lessons you've learned as a co-founder? Like what? Because one of the things I, I have found listening to kind of Chad's story and going back to yours and hearing the different sides of what he's learned and then kind of what you've learned. You've talked a lot about being behind the scenes, but there's a lot of things that people don't know yeah. about what it really takes to run a company. Like yeah. it's easy for us to get on a mic here and you this know, is sit the with easy Max. Part. Yeah, this is the easy part, yeah. right? But like you talk about, you know, talk about balancing the budgets, right? And yeah. you know, we were even talking before and Chad was like, You gotta mention like, you know, all this cool stuff that you've done. Yeah. Right. And you're kinda Chad's like, such well, a proponent of me. I love him. He's he always is like He's a big well, champion of you. Yeah, he's like, Why don't you tell people that you worked on the satellite divestment at Google? I'm like, I don't I don't know. Like, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> it's just yeah, we uh, had a satellite company and we sold it and I just worked on that. It's called a divestment when you sell a company out from another company. So we divested them and it was like a year long process and I worked on the project. So he just thinks stuff like that's so cool. But he's, he's a big proponent of me talking about that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I do all the finances, not fun. There's so much not fun stuff of like running a business that a lot of people don't think of. They think it's just like fun, even, yeah, even hiring and building a team. I mean, I think I told you we have had, we have like over 300 applicants right now. And you think like, wow, you're lucky. We are lucky. We're lucky to have such amazing people applying, but then sifting through 300 people and trying to figure out who you want to talk to and who, you know, how to respond to all these people in like a nice way and that kind of stuff. But yeah, the, the finance part is like not fun ever. Even if you have an accountant, it's still not fun trying to figure all that stuff out and then trying to figure out how to develop culture for the company and how to encourage good behavior and making sure people, you know, realize the vision and are coming to work every day excited and want like knowing we're all building towards the same thing and getting people like in the loop about what we're even doing and how they can help and stuff. It's just, it's hard. The more people you bring on, the harder it gets, but it's still fun. It's just hard. So what have you learned 
so far, I mean, we've been around what? Don't quote me on this, but two years? Yeah, I think under two years. Under yeah. two years, okay. Yeah. So we've been under under two years. Clearly in, in that time frame, there were things that you didn't know that you know now. Yeah. If you could share like one or two, what are some of the things that you're, mm. you're that kind of just impacted you in that way? Yeah, I think doubling down even more on podcasts, I just have seen that impact people in such a great way. It's really fun to see, you know, all these comments of people who've been listening to episodes or how it's impacted them. It would have been fun to even like do that quicker. It took us a while to get here. So yeah, I would just maybe do that a little bit differently, but that was just a good lesson of like, if you're excited about something, just do it. And Chad, Ian and myself were so excited about the story and starting these podcasts, but it just, it took some time and just a lot of back and forth. I think just jumping in when you, because we didn't know what we were doing. And I think that's okay. Like knowing that most things that you do in a company, you will not know how to do, and that's okay. And just trying it out and then failing fast. So if something's not working, all right, pivot, next thing. Like, I think that's yeah, just something I always keep in mind about a lot of the stuff we did in the beginning. Just it's okay that it didn't work because here we are. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what about just advice that you've received? So someone like yourself that's kind of, worked at a big company, you've started multiple endeavors, you've clearly have had to have some people along the way share some pieces of advice with you. Is there any one piece of advice that you could share with the people listening out there about about running a company or maybe just in life in general that's kind of helped you be a better version of yourself? I think some good advice that Chad and I are still working on is to not take any stresses that you have from the business out on each other or your family. I think it's really hard when you have your own business to take a break for a second and really just keep the things separate and not, you know, if you're stressed about something and then having dinner together and being stressed about it still, we've had some good advice from people being like, you have to keep things a little bit separate. And especially when it comes to strong emotions, like understanding like where to have them and when to have them and how to take a break from it. So I think that was good advice. We're still practicing it. It's very hard, especially because our studio is right outside of our house. So (laughs) things always feel like they're together. But yeah, I think that was good advice. And then also hiring people who are smarter than you. If you're going to build up a team, build up people who can take work off your plate. Maybe not in the beginning. I never expect that from the beginning. I think it takes a couple months actually for people to ramp up. And I always give people about two-ish months to kind of like ramp up to their role, but making sure you hire people who are going to help you and are like as excited about the vision because anyone else, it's just going to be a time suck. So I think just building that core team in a very thoughtful way is really important. Even if you're just hiring one person, you have like a little small project and you're hiring just one person to help you, just making sure that's like the perfect person. Yeah, is great advice that people have told us from the beginning that I think is really good to remember. I think one thing that which is, which is really interesting what you just said, though, was talking about hiring people that are smarter than you. Where did you learn that from? I mean, I feel like a bunch of CEOs have said that before. I know Steve Jobs always talked about okay. that when he was when yep. he was living. But I, I think for you is that when you've seen that kind of, I guess, in person, like full throttle, like at the mission, right? Like yep. there's, there's a lot of talented people here. When did you know that that was the right thing to do, right? When you just hired somebody that was like, whoa, this person's like... I mean, everyone on our team is great. Mm -hmm. So, but let's see, a lot of things that people work on our team, I kind of understood them. So everyone I hired, I feel like super smart, very helpful, amazing team. But one person, shout out to Ben, when he came on the team, he like changed my world. Maybe not everyone else's world because he is previously a lawyer. He knows tax stuff. 
He helps me with finances. So he impacted my world the most because no one else, I mean, who really wants to like mess with like state tax stuff? No one. That, yeah, exactly. Absolutely no who one. Who would want to help with that? So when he came <laughs> on and I was like, man, I really need help with like getting all this tax stuff set up and like legal agreements and contracts like this. He came on and just did it all. And I think someone like that where it's like, he knew so much more about that structure, like legalities, how to hire people, like stuff that I just didn't know. Hiring someone like that that just takes it to a new level is like what, yeah, what you need, what you need to do. So he impacted my life the most because he's way smarter than me when it comes to almost all that stuff. But maybe, you know, he didn't impact maybe Chad's life as much because Chad does not look at the accounting stuff. He does not look at contracts. He's very much like, just go fast and break stuff. And I'm more like, whoa, whoa, horsey. All right, let's like put some <laughs> some processes in place here. So I think, yeah, hiring different people for different reasons will impact different parts of the company very differently. And just trying to make a good puzzle for everything to fit is how you should think about it. Before I ask you your, the last question, thank yep. you so much for spending time. And yeah, it's fun. Got to know you over the course of this Hopefully. segment. Hopefully, a little bit, yep. Yeah, I know. It's going to make it, things a lot easier to work for you now. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, this is our official one-on-one. Yeah, it's our official one-on-one. We recorded it. <laughs> you know, we've covered a lot today about just working moms. We've covered work-life balance and, and women in business. And more important, we've talked about this, sto- you know, kind of the story of the mission and you know, you're the behind the scenes person, the one that's pulling the levers and making sure everything's running. But, you know, if there's one thing, you know, looking back on this 20 years from now, Grayson's going to be, he's going to be in his 20s, yeah. right? And what's the one thing that you hope he sees from the building of this company that yeah. you hope? What do you, what's the one thing you want him to take away from this? I think there's two things. The first one two things. Yeah, <laughs> is I want him to look back and realize that you should always enjoy the journey of anything. So someone could look at what Chad and I have done for the past decade and be like, man, they've just failed times, failed a million times. You know, they've had so many projects. But I look at it as like everything we did fit in perfectly and things not working out, like getting a cease and desist order. Thank God that happened. Like no one would have taken us seriously if we would have kept that out in the market. So just looking back on that and realizing you have to have fun with this stuff even when you're getting failures, there's probably a reason that it didn't work out and it's okay. Just like keep trying and keep pushing forward and having a good time. I think even in the Elon Musk interview, that was his point that he's like, yeah, things are happening and some things aren't great, but you still just have to have fun in life because it's short and you just got to enjoy it. And so when things are stressful or when things aren't going as planned, I would like him to kind of see that we were still having fun and enjoying it as it went whether it was super successful or maybe not working out at the time, just like going with the flow and knowing like you have a path and this is just the path that we're on and we're going to get where we need to go. It just might take a little bit longer or it might not. So anyone viewing anything that happens in our life is that way, that this is just a season. And I'll, you know, if it's really hard right now and things are really tough, like it's just a season, we'll be out of it next year. It's going to be completely different and it'll be okay. So I would like that. And then also for him to still be, seeing things that are relevant when he's 20 years old that we do like this interview him you know having something like this still being relevant in 20 years or having you know a podcast that we create the story or it visionaries or whatever it is that we're doing just being relevant and keeping it evergreen to where it's still impacting people that far into the future where he's like yeah my parents did that and i'm really proud you know that they did this i think that's the two things that i would want that's fantastic to see happen in 20 years or more but that's awesome. That's what I'm aiming for. 
Yeah, aren't we all? I know. Cool. Well, thanks, Stephanie. Appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, thank you. We'll have to get you back on for Women in Business yeah. Week. Yep, I'll be back, I'm sure. Yeah, so. All cool. right, thanks, thanks, Mike. The Mission Daily is brought to you by the Twilio Signal Conference. Join the mission team on October 17th through the 18th in San Francisco. And when you join us at the conference, you can use the code MISSION20 to get 20% off. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.